Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Welcome to a bonus episode of Hooked On, I'm a Celeb with me, Fanula J. Our special guest is a former king of the jungle, Joe Pasquale. Joe is one of Britain's best loved entertainers and endeared himself to millions when in 2004, he won the fourth series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. It was such a pleasure to chat with Joe, who, as you'll hear, is an absolute gent. We talked about his time in the Australian jungle and his brand new book of horror stories, Dead Knobs and Doomsticks 2, Tales from the Lockdown. Here's my conversation with Joe Pasquale. Joe, you're back for another horror anthology, Dead Knobs and Doomsticks 2. You yes. have 19 new tales of horror. What yeah. can you tell us about them? Well, uh, it's called uh, Tales of the Lockdown because they were obviously written during this period of time. And uh, nearly all the stories are written about a period of lockdown, not necessarily what's going on there. I think three or four of them about this time period. But there's some others which are uh, throughout history, different lockdowns that happened. There's one um, about the Salem witch trials when the whole town was locked down. There's another one about the uh, uh, First World War. Somebody's in the trenches locked down in that, that period of time as well. Um, there's, uh, it's quite a wide eclectic range of uh, time period stories um, and genres really in there. There's a bit of sci-fi, there's a bit of blatant vampirism on some of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed... Um, doing the whole you know the whole transition of doing of writing it um and making each story completely different I was going to say and I hope you don't mind me saying this but I would never have put you down as a horror fan like when did this love of the genre begin well what happened was when I was 13 I got run over um it was a real bad break I got run over by I was on my first morning in my paper and it's Friday the 13th as well oh my and god <laughs> hip, just just below my hip on the femur and it was horrendous break, and I was in traction for about three months, and I was in plaster for about six months. But because it was so high on the hip, it couldn't. It wasn't just on my leg; I was in plaster literally from my foot right the way up to my neck here to keep it, you know, keep it stable. And so I couldn't climb stairs. I was only thirteen. I couldn't go out of my bedroom. So for, for the next year, I slept on the settee downstairs. And I, got, I had a younger brother and twelve sisters, so they'd be in their bedrooms. My mum dad go to bed after nine, ten o'clock, and leave me on the settee until the morning and in those days this was 1974 then this was uh there was only three channels then so 11 o'clock at night you know all it was was horror they put all the old hammer films on the old amicus films and so i wouldn't go to sleep because i didn't have to get up in the morning and i would sit there every night religiously watching every plague of the zombies to frankenstein to every dracula everything that was going and and i became immune to being scared i think and so I was always looking for the next scary thing. And that, that's what got me into it. I want to be scared because I watched everything. You did just mention there, Hammer and Amicus, the British horror studios. Do you have a favourite between the two? Is that like, is that like picking a child? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's got to be Hammer, really. Um, you know, the, uh, people, people like Peter Cushing, you know, trod both, both, put a foot in both camp. But for me, I always think Hammer at the edge, really. 
And I was at that age as well, they had a book out, a comic book called Hammer House of Horror, I think it was. House of Hammer. It's called House of Hammer. And I've still got every episode in my garage all wrapped up pristine plastic. That's how much of a geek I am on this. <laughs> Obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah, yeah. How did you find writing in lockdown? Um, in actual fact, I found it easier than, than I had previously because last time I wrote the first book, which was about three years ago, I was on tour. So I'd be writing it while I was on the way to gigs. Yeah, one, you know, one minute I'm right doing comedy, uh, doing stand-up. The next minute I'm doing all this blood, guts and gore. And so it was quite a, a, a battle then to do it and to get it finished in time. And I was also, also illustrated it. So um, before a gig, I'd be in the dressing room. I'd be painting. I'd do only in watercolours, but I'd do the paintings before the gig. And then I'd get back to the gigs and then finish it off there. So this time I found it easier, basically, because I could actually put the time into it properly. And it's a weird, uh, the whole thing was different way of writing. Sometimes a couple of stories, um, I dreamt, I actually dreamt them. Uh, and there was a complete story. I woke up, uh, what I found is I had my notebook and pen by the bed because sometimes I'd wake up and I'd dream a whole story beginning to end. And that was it. I'd write notes in the middle of the night. Okay, this is it. There's little pictures I'd draw of it. And it just came out. Some were completely fully formed. And, uh, and I don't know where that came from. It was a weird, weird, weird experience. What was the reaction from publishers and like your friends when you first embarked on this journey of writing these mad, scary stories? Well, the, the first one, um, I started doing, I did a degree, I'm still in the process of nearly finishing my degree at the Open University called, um, uh, geo, it was geoscience. And uh, I'd started doing a couple of modules on creative writing. And then I did, I really enjoyed that. I did creative, um, uh, advanced creative writing after that. And my tutor, I was having to write, they said a minimum of 500 words every day of, of something, whatever, basically it just teaches to free write. Whatever comes to your head, write it down, minimum of 500 words every day. And you send it in to the tutor at the end of the week to be marked. And he always said to me, your, your funny stuff's great. He said, but what's your really good writing is when it's very dark and almost horror. He said, try concentrating on that. So what I would do, I'd send them to a friend of mine, a guy called Colin Evans, who writes steampunk novels, uh, just so he could go over the grammar for me in case I, you know, I want to get better marks. And he would say, no, no, that's not the right way of saying that. Do this, do that. And unbeknownst to me, he was saving my short stories, and he sent half a dozen of them to Darren, my publisher, without me knowing. And one day this guy contacted me out of the blue and said, I, um, Colin's sent me some of your work. Um, how many of these stories have you got? So, well, you've got all of them in there. You've got the six. So he said, well, if you can do it at 13 and they're all as good as this, then um, I'll publish them. And that was it. It just came about by accident. It wasn't um, something that I, I planned on doing. It was one of those things that just happened. You know, it just gravitated to it. And uh, I love writing. I love, I love writing scary stuff now because of that. Divine intervention, you might call it nearly. Might Have you it. ever had a supernatural experience yourself? Because this is well, the stuff I, I love the- hearing about. Oh, well, yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. My best mate at school um, called Kevin Bloss, and uh, it, I'm still in touch with Kev now. And we did, uh, we was in Scouts as well. We did Bob a Job Week. You probably won't remember Bob a Job Week, do you? Mm, I don't now, I'm going to be honest. I have to be honest um, with you, Joel. Far too young for that. Well, in the Scouts, you do the thing, it was a, a week of the year, and it was called Bob a Job Week. And you'd knock on people's doors, dressed in your Scout uniform, you have your neckerchief and your woggle on and all of that. And you knock on the door and you have a little card and you say, Hi, my name's Joe. I'm in the ninth grade Scouts, and it's Bob a Job Week. And basically, you do a little job for them, and they give you a bob, which is a shilling in those days. And they'd have to mark it off what you've done with it, empty the rubbish, you know, cut the tree down, whatever it was. And somebody um, gave us a load of rubbish to dump. And said, if you've got a jumble, so you can have it for that. So I took that rubbish, 
me and Kev went through it all, and there was a Ouija board in there. So, oh, no, Joe, oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah, this was going. <laughs> and so we had the jumble sale at the, at the uh, village um, church hall, and me and Kev kept this back. I mean, in the, in the toilet, in the, uh, in, the, in the church hall, we did the Ouija board around the back, and we contacted Malcolm, who was a lollipop man, but I don't know whether Kevin was winding me up. I think it wasn't that scary. It wasn't like the film Ouija or anything like that. <laughs> you weren't possessed by the spirit of a lollipop man. <laughs> I love how that was like, who will we contact? Ah, Malcolm, the lollipop man, of course. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a film in that one, do you? I mean, I'd watch it, Joe, but I mean, I'm not, I can't speak for anyone else, to be honest. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Do you have a favourite from the current anthology without giving too much away, obviously, because we want people to go in, buy it and read it themselves? Uh, yes, I do. There's one called um, uh, called Schrodinger, um, which is all about the scientist um, uh, that did a, a thought experiment about Schrodinger's cat. It was named a cat. And his, his thought experiment is about having a cat in a box um, and there's uh, some nuclear um, uh, degrading waste in there and the box is, lit, is shut, it's a lead box, but does the box open inside, let the, uh, the nuclear waste out? Uh, uh, so basically saying the cat is alive and dead all at the same time. And it's a, it's a real um, a skewed version of that story in there somewhere. But because I, I've been doing this degree with the university, I learned a few scientific things about Schrodinger, and I thought there's a story in there somewhere, because he must have been off his head coming up with this concept like that. Think of it. It's not even a real experiment. He's just thinking about it in his head. You know, there's a cat in a box with some nuclear waste. Is it alive or is it dead? I don't know. It's not until you open the box till you know whether the cat's alive or dead. So until you open the box, the cat is alive and dead. Well, that's not true. It is either dead or alive. But he's saying, you're obviously, you're making us, sound, making us seem ridiculous because we can't answer it. It's a ridiculous question. Is it dead or is it alive? It can't be both, but he's saying it is. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a rant now. <laughs> oh, God. What was he at? What was he at? Great question. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, the new series of I'm a Celeb is obviously in full swing. How was your experience in the jungle? Well, I really loved it. A lot of people say afterwards, oh, they made me look really bad because of the edit. And the producer always says afterwards, we can't make you say something or do something. If you've said something, we're going to show it. If you've done something, we're going to show it. We can't make you look bad unless you've done something bad. And I really enjoyed the experience. It's boring, I have to say. The worst thing was the boredom because you only see an hour a day of 
what's going on, you know, Anton Decker coming in, make it look fun. Look at that. He's jumped out of a plane today. Then he fell in the in the river. Then he got soaking wet. Then they had okay, kangaroos, woolly, and then they had a big row. Uh, and that was what a fantastic day. But the reality is there's another 23 hours where nothing happens. You just sit there, people arguing and blowing off all day. And you don't see that. We've done a few interviews with other past contestants and they've all said the same thing. They said they'd nearly be willing themselves to be picked for a trial or like a job or something because it's just... uh, One of the lads actually said they ended up counting all of the trees because he was just going out of his mind with the boredom. um, What's what's funny is you don't see it at home either is uh, they've got hides, what they call hides, you know, basically it's like fibreglass rocks and inside it there's a hole in the middle of it and inside there's a cameraman in there sconced in there, he's hiding, uh, and he's filming everything you're doing. And you can see the slot in it, so you know the camera's there. And every now and then, it, it, it must be so boring for them. They're doing three shifts, uh, and you can hear him dozing off sometimes. And one day, he was snoring. He was like, <laughs> there's nothing happened. So I went over, and I, I banged on the phone, wake up like that. And went, oh, God, like that. He was really scared. It was great. One of the, the other thing is, you don't see it in, in, the, in this one here, is um, I woke up one night. And, uh, there, uh, and there was a noise because it was obviously in the jungle and mm. there was a noise beside me and I put my glasses on because I couldn't see properly. It was pitch black. All you got was a glow from the fire. And I looked, I could, I could see something moving about. And then I focused on it and I could see these eyes looking at me. I thought, what is this? What's it going to be? Right? And it could have been anything. It's got a wild animal. And as I, got, I peered into it, I saw it was a bloke with camouflage makeup. Right? <laughs> and I went, hello. <laughs> Right, and he went, <laughs> and he disappeared. I'm kidding, you not right. He disappeared in the undergrowth. I went, don't go. And he went, shh, you haven't seen me. I went, but I have. He went, shh, you haven't. I went, but I just, I'm talking to you. He went, shh, <laughs> he disappeared. So I went up to Bush Telegraph and I said to him, I went, uh, oh, this is like three o'clock in the morning. And I said, uh, I just saw a bloke in the woods. And he went, no, you didn't. So I went, yeah, I did. He went, no, you haven't. So I was, I'm telling you now, I just saw a bloke in the woods and I said, hello, and he said, shh, you haven't seen me. So they went, you haven't seen anyone. I said, I'm telling you, I'm not, I haven't seen a ghost. There was a man in the woods with camouflage makeup on and he said to me, you haven't seen me, but he's there. So I said, well, you haven't. So I said, if you don't tell me who he is, I'm going to wake everybody up and say there's a strange man in the woods. And he went, oh, I don't, so I don't wake him up. So I said, who is he then? And he went, he's just there to make sure the wild animals don't get through to the camp at night. Oh, God. <laughs> but I'm not sure if he was just a journalist. That's what I think. Sneaking about. Hmm. I'd, I'd say he could be right there now, to be honest. It's all a bit too sus. Was there ever a moment where you thought, I could win this? Like, was it, no. was it a total shock when you won? Yeah, total shock. Because, you, as I said, you only, you only see an hour until at night. And when you're in it, it's like being on the worst holiday in the world. That's what it's like. And... You, you don't know what they're showing because most of the time I sat there keeping out the arguments. So I thought, well, I'm not doing a lot here. But, you know, when I did, you know, I was like a shark walking about like that, you know, just really quiet. And every now and then something would happen and I'd, I'd jump up and do something. But, you know, it's, it's not like um, you're sitting there being active all the time. And so you, you, in your head, you're thinking, I'm not doing nothing here. Nothing's been seen, nothing's been said. But because they edit it so heavily and they put the highlights of the day in, um, you had no concept of what's being seen. So, no, I didn't have any idea at all who was going to win. How do you think the new series will fare, obviously, with it being in Wales because of the COVID and travel restrictions? Well, for a start, I'm just really glad that they've put it out. Just, I watch it religiously every year. I actually think um, 
I don't think it's as it's. I think it's easier. It seems easier to me, if I'm honest with you. Mm. Um, I know it's colder out there, but number one, they've got hot water all the time. As long as we keep that boiler going, we never had any hot water at all unless we boiled it. Um, insects, mosquitoes, all that sort of stuff. Rats in the camp. We had to deal with that. Uh, we had Paul Barrel, Janet Street Porter, each other's throat all the time. But I think it's. Um, I think it's an easier one this year for them. If I'm honest, that's what I think. Uh, the trials seem um, slightly tamer than usual as well. But I think that's because of the nature of the surroundings. But once again, I still think it's a great show. I'm, I'm just pleased I've got it out again. Looking ahead then to 2021, are you worried we'll still see live entertainment being impacted? Because obviously it's an industry that has been yeah. left behind, I think, with what has happened. And it's so tough for people like yourself and other people in the industry trying to make virtual events work and whatever. How are you feeling about your future and whatever bits you have lined up? Uh, yeah, I have a, a lot lined up. Um, I have a, 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 we're doing Some Mothers Do Have which we started this year and we have got three weeks in. And um, we, actually, we obviously got pulled after, um, you know, once we had the lockdown stuff, that was in March, and it was a seven-month tour. Then I was doing stand-up for a couple of months, then Panto, and that all got taken away. Um, I think, for me personally, um, I'm trying to remain positive about it, and hopefully in the new year. Uh, I'm working on a play at the moment, a, a, a John Godber play called April in Paris, which is just a two-hander. So um, as long as the, the restrictions are lifted to a point, we can still um, do this play even under... Uh, social distancing uh, in the theatres and on stage. You only two people. If they open it up completely, then we'll be able to get some others to have them back on the road again. But that all remains to be seen. All I can do, I think because we're actually in it, we're in this, I hate using the word bubble of it because the bubble is overused now. And it's strange how certain words start winding you up after a certain amount of time. Uh, but we are in this, uh, this bubble. <laughs> Did it again? Um, and because we can't see outside of it, uh, and once we are out, once we are on the outside of it, it's not knowing the amount of time is the thing that creates the, the, the mental angst. And I, I liken it to, I dare say, if, you know, during the war, they had no idea how long they were going to be at war for. You know, they're in it. When you look back in history, you go, well, it's 39 to 45, that was six years. But in that time period, they must have thought this is going on forever. And so once we are out of it, we'll look back and, and go, okay, it was that amount of time, but not going to be that long. I could have dealt with it easier. And that's what we have to deal with is it isn't going to last forever. We don't know how long, um, but just know it's going to come out the other side sooner or later. And that's, that's what I do. It's not forever. Absolutely. Worth remembering. Finally, Joe, do you reckon you've enough stories in you for another horror anthology? Yeah. Will we be seeing more soon? I've started doing it already, yeah. I've got, my brain is going all the time, but they're getting worse. My brain is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. What I'd love uh, now is, um, I said there's uh, 13 in the first book and 19 in this one. I want to get made into short films, uh, the way they used to tell the unexpected, getting a short back on the telly with that sort of stuff, because I write them uh, with you know, as a short story. A lot of people write short stories, and they take a week to read. That's not a short story for me. My short story is like 15, 20 minutes. And people like to read a book on the loose sometimes. And if they're a bit constipated, if you take that with them, you can actually finish a story in that sitting. And also, because the nature of what they are, you ain't going to be constipated at the end of it. Right? <laughs> and 
Also, when people, when, I hate it when authors say, oh, yes, I've written the short, short stories, but at the end of it, I've left it open for the audience, for the reader to come up with what they think uh, could be the ending. And that always winds up going, no, I've paid 15 quid for this book. I don't want to make up the ending. Tell me what the ending is. And it, <laughs> well, I, could, I could leave my book open-ended. You make up the end. No. Tell me what the ending is. I get really wound up with that. So every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You never see at the end going, well, what happened there? Because some go, what do you think? No, don't tell me what I think. You tell me what you think. I couldn't agree with you more. That's their job. And on that note, I think we'll leave it there. Joe Pasquale, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Your new book, Dead Knobs and Doomsticks 2, is currently available to buy. Get yourself a copy of 19 New Scary Tales from Lockdown. I've got my Jessica and Superman on. Did you notice? (laughs) I did, and I love it. (laughs) What a gent. Joe Pasquale, loved chatting to him. And once again, his new book is Dead Knobs and Doomsticks 2, Tales from the Lockdown. Go pick it up now. and. While you're here, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And as always, you can listen back to our reviews of each episode from the current series of I'm a Celeb. We're back tomorrow with another deep dive. So until then, from me, Fanula J, I'll chat to you on the next Hooked On, I'm a Celeb. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.